Holy moly, what a doozy today's show is. I will start with this line. Are you prematurely ejaculating your emotions? And holy moly, there is no sexual innuendo that whatsoever. It is the most accurate way to describe one of the biggest linchpins in entrepreneur success. And in this episode, we break down everything, how to go from fear and division and hypocrisy into holding space, being intentional, and ceremonially releasing past ways to build the new you to apply it to every area of your life, your business, your relationships, your friendships. We talk about how one word can accurately describe the one thing you need to have every day in your life to succeed. Uh, are you being tough, but with the right definition of tough? We talk about holding space for you and those around you to create the best possible results. And everything in between, because I couldn't even take notes fast enough because I was too busy processing everything that was happening. So today's episode is with my dear friend, one of my best friends, one of the most amazing humans, Stefano Safandos. And this episode is a doozy. So strap in, get ready to listen, maybe have something to take notes. But for now, I'm just going to cue the episode. So let's get into the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Mind of George Show with the sexiest pink background, a shiny bald head because I actually shaved it this morning, and one of the best looking men on the planet as my guest today. And I never know quite how to introduce the statue of David with a beautiful accent, the man who can say cuss words and make them sound sexy, who can call me out on everything in my power that helps men, women, coaches, entrepreneurs, and everybody in between find their way home. And we will explain what home means. But today we have the honor. We have the privilege. I have the ultimate gift of having one of my best friends, my brother from another mother, the only man or person outside of my relationship I'm allowed to be intimate with, Stefanos Safandos. He is the leader of the free world of people getting into consciousness and elevating their game. He is an expectant father to the most beautiful little baby girl that's coming soon, Athena, the husband of Christine Hassler, and all around the Renaissance man that the year of 2022 declared it needed. And here he is to lead the way. Welcome. Wow. You just said you just said you didn't know how to intro me. I don't even know what that was. Just said I am. I think we're done. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call that. Uh, I'm gonna call that. A flow, a stream of consciousness. That's what I'll call it. Yeah, I'll, I'll call it that too, bro. I'll, I'll call it that coming from a place of uh, genuine love. So thank you for the intro. Yeah, man. Stoked to have you. I'm, we, I'm, I'm glad to be here. We, we, learned, we learned this lesson a long time ago that we should just record all of our conversations. And so I was like, well, let's just get it on the podcast. True. Because it's the best. So for those of you who are new around here, Stephanos has been here before. And if you're new to the internet, I don't know what rock you're living under, but you need to go find him out. And... I love to ask my friends, my guests, my everything about where we are in the state of the world, things that they're seeing, trends that they're noticing. And I asked Stephanos that question, and I'm actually just going to ask it on the show because, like I said, it's the accent, the eloquent list, the way that he says it. <clears throat> but I asked him, I said, hey, Steph, are there any trends that you're noticing lately across the board as somebody who coaches entrepreneurs, coaches men, 
lives in the world that we're currently living? Have you seen any trends or patterns? And Steph, I would love for you to give everybody that answer and we can start ripping it to pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm seeing a lot of fear, man. And, um, that's, that's not all I'm seeing, but when we're looking at trends of transformation, I'm seeing fear and people acting from fear. I'm seeing division. I'm seeing, uh, hypocrisy. Now I want to, I just want to say something to hypocrisy. So for me, hypocrisy is a natural part of life and a natural part of growth and transition. And when we move from one idea or way of being into another, there is a portion or a part of that journey that is hip hypocritical at, at a very high level it's because the, the old self doesn't want to die and the new self is coming in. And as the new self is coming in, the old self is saying, Nope, none of that. We're, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to stay where we are. And so there's this, this hypocrisy, almost this contradiction between thoughts and actions. But what I'm really seeing in terms of the division that I mentioned earlier is people are throwing stones and they're throwing stones in the direction of this extreme behavior, I'm generalizing here, right? This extreme behavior can't go on yet. The attachment to their own extreme behavior is so, it has such a stronghold on them. And one of the reasons why I know this is because, um, I've been there and, and I sometimes still float in and out of that. So I'm not coming from a self-righteous place or I'm better than you and I've transcended this or I've done that. I can also get stuck in that place. I'm human, right? But what I'm seeing is an overwhelming trend of this, an overwhelming trend of people being so stuck in their ideals and so scared to shift. What if, what if I can move into a new reality? What if I can move into a new belief system or a new set of ideals? What if I don't have to believe the first thing that I hear and I can sit with it, maybe critically think, maybe observe, maybe feel, and potentially change my perspective. I'm seeing less of that and more of I need to be right because if I don't hang on to this, then what do I have? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, when I, when I think about that, so you said like throwing stones at extremes from a place of the same extremes. And, and I will say that it's something that I've seen and it, it, it's like this trickle down umbrella, right? Like we see the state of the world and then that permeates over certain industries. So that's permeates over like certain businesses and entrepreneurs. And it's like this, this fear from the bottom up of like, I know for me, I've thrown some stones and I've, I've, I've been in big extremes and out there in the swings just simply because I was afraid to be integrous about how I was feeling. Cause I had never felt that feeling before. I had never been with that. And, and the, the closest thing that I can liken it to is like, you know, some hard conversations in entrepreneurship when I lost, almost lost everything or I had to like lose one of the biggest clients ever, like that feeling that hit my body. I didn't really know what to do with. And so instead I was like, oh, freedom this and blank this. And, you know, I'm pretty neutral, but at the same time I could feel the charge and what yep. I was doing and, and what I feel like should have authentically come out of my mouth, which has sense then is that like, I'm scared, but also willing to work, but confused and not knowing where to go. And I feel it, but I don't have an opinion or know what to do. And, and it, and it's been this almost like muscle of getting comfortable in purgatory or sitting with it longer or asking questions long enough. And so for people that are listening to this, like when we see this, you know, we see it in entrepreneurship, we see it in the state of the world, we see it with freedom, we see it with everything. You talk about sitting with it and asking critical questions, creating space. Like, what does that tangibly look like? Like, yeah. I feel like for me, I don't know if I've ever been trained to critically think. I feel like I was trained to do a job, do this, shoot them, be here, blank, blank, blank. And and I think prior to this state of the world, 
I feel like we lived in a society where the paradigm was instant gratification and immediate resolve. And there, there wasn't this behavior of critically thinking and I'm generalizing critically thinking or shitting sure. or observing. And so I feel like it's kind of forced this perspective of choosing how to respond versus react. But I feel if it wasn't for your guidance and some others, I wouldn't even know where to start with that. So can you yeah. kind of unpack that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll begin by unpacking it with a personal story. So, um, right now, and I did a video on this yesterday, uh, I released it yesterday with, with Christine and I, we were just speaking to, so I'll, actually I'll come back a bit. So we, um, we had a ceremony, uh, around essentially two becoming three. We just had a very deliberate ceremony around well, life's going to look different now. You know, my wife's pregnant. Um, she's anywhere from three to five weeks away from giving, from giving birth. And two, the two of us are going to become three. And for me, you know, I, I, and I've sat with this by myself in solitude for some time, not because I wanted to hide from Christine or not bring that to her, but because I wanted to assess and be with and feel what is this thing that's coming up in me. And it's grief. There's sadness there. And there's, there's a sadness of my identity shifting. There's a sadness of responsibility shifting. There's there's an excitement, an equal excitement around that, but then there's also guilt around that. So I'm allowing myself to feel all those feelings. And we, we had a ceremony. It was a beautiful ceremony. We opened the container up with a candle. We lit the candle and we just started speaking into some fond memories and some ideas that we have around being parents that we, and we've, we've, we continue to do that on a regular basis, but how we want to be with each other, you know, what brought us together, how, how. And what does it look like being together with, you know, two becoming three and just being really honest with each other, really. So I was able to be very honest with her because I explored that within myself. I sat with it. I meditated. I breathed with it. I, I journaled to it. I sat with it. I spoke to other brothers about it. I still do like I am with you now. Like I've asked you about, hey, when you had your little one, what happened for you now? You're in, you're in a very different place then. You're in a very different place now. Your level of maturity like mine from three years ago has shifted massively. I'm not the same person I was three months ago. Neither are you. But still those reference points, reference points help from trusted, respected, revered sources. So tangibly, it's feeling the feelings. It's, you know, this morning we, we taught a beautiful class. We have a program called Be the Queen. And after that class, I just shared with Christine, I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grieving a bit today. Like I'm really feeling that. And there are tears that came and, um, I'm just allowing those, those emotions to come through me. I'm allowing myself to be with them. I'm not condemning them. I'm not judging them. I'm not compartmentalizing them. I'm not shunning them. I'm not repressing them. One, something that you said earlier, and one of the reasons why we're throwing stones and we're entrenched in our ideals with, with very little wiggle room is because we are so scared of our feelings that we repress that shit. And it turns into anger and aggression. And I've been down that path too many times in my life and I don't want to go down there again. And I, I'm not doing it to avoid, I'm doing it because I'm making a conscious choice to be a different person. And so for, for us, that's what it, for me, that's what it looks like. It looks like sitting with those feelings. It looks like being with them, getting context and reflection, whether you're working with a coach, which I do as well, um, a couple actually, or you, you know, with a group of friends where you can get a mirrored reflection back on what is it that I'm experiencing and giving yourself permission to go there, even though it's fucking uncomfortable, even though the guilt and the shame that sometimes comes up. I mean, think about this from my perspective. Like I'm, I'm grieving not that a baby, my baby and my child is coming into the world, but I'm grieving that I'm losing part of my identity. And I'm losing, you know, we're restructuring the relationship. 
And, and so there's a grief there, but at the same time, there's this deep joy and excitement, this visceral excitement around this baby coming through. And I don't want her energetically and emotionally and spiritually to be picking up on that. And so I could very easily compartmentalize that and ignore it. I don't want to though, because that's not being true. And I want to be in integrity. I want to feel whole and to feel whole, I have to feel all of me, not just the convenient parts. So tangibly, that's part of what it looks like. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> Thanks for being my coach every day, all day, even when I'm, but, um, <laughs> no, I have, I have so much, you know, rever reverence would be the word that I use when it comes to that, you know, situation. I, I can remember vividly conversation, not conversations, audio messages where you called me, see you next Tuesday and held me in my place, which I love dearly. It's one of my favorite love languages. And I have reverence for that now because I remember, like I would call you, I remember standing outside Mammoth Mountain, eight degrees outside. Cold as fuck. Cold as shit. Walking in shorts and a t-shirt. In shorts. <laughs> ready to lose my mind because I feel like the whole world is crashing down. Like an atomic bomb had been dropped on anything. And now in hindsight, looking back, I felt like that because I refused to feel. And so it's this big catch 22 that I, I've, I've had to experience. And it's something that I, I see now. And so when you say with the ceremony around Athena and mourning what was to create space for what may become, I feel like it's applicable to everywhere. And to tie it back, I feel like it's also one of the reasons that I'm seeing and, and we're seeing so many stones being thrown and this massive amount of divisiveness, because there's this like relentless commitment to being right rather than being open. And I know I've experienced it well. And, and I have personally going through something right now that it's not ready to see the light of day, but I'm sitting with it and I've probably cried for three hours today in between this show, before yeah. this show this morning, I called someone. I was like, I just need to cry. Listen, you good. And I'm like, once you listen, I'm just, <laughs> and they're like, what do you need? I'm like, nothing. I was like, I just needed to be witnessed. Like, I'm good. I'm clear. I'm happy. I'm joyous. And I was like, but I'm mourning. I'm mourning a belief system. I'm mourning uh, a paradigm that I have. I'm mourning an expectation. I'm mourning all of it. And it was really beautiful because I got to call somebody that I love, know, like, and trust. And then they get down and they're like, well, now what? I'm like, I don't know. Do you want a cookie? Like, thanks for holding space. I don't need anything. Like, I feel really, really great. And it's something that I, I can give as a testament to you. And, and I wanted to say this because for everybody listening, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a parent, whether you have a friend, whether you have any of that stuff, the, the, the through line in all of this is that as a human being to really thrive and to win is we have to choose how to respond. And this concept in the state of the world that we're in is forced Parkinson's law. For some of us to confront, to be with, to sit in, to experience, and to have feelings that we probably never felt before, or in the last 10 years, or only around traumatic experiences, and it's, it's been this pressure cooker based on how you sit with it, what result you get out of it. And so <clears throat> I just couldn't think of anybody else to talk about that, that is, that is more qualified. And so when you talk about mourning, like when you're doing an intentional mm -hmm. ceremony and, and you're letting go of what is, right? Do you sit with that till you feel no charge? Do you do it intentionally in a container? And then once you hit that point that may, maybe I'll call neutrality or some open space, do you then go intentionally take an action to fill that with a new identity or a new belief? What's that look like for you? 
There's usually some space in between for integration. I've found that in, in my own life, I've had this propensity to receive information or, or, or new knowledge or new wisdom, right? And then I want to do something with it immediately. And I think that's, you know, it's a form of premature ejaculation, so to speak, right? And it, it's, not, it's not fully cooked and we're taking it out of the oven. And so what I like to do is sit with it, like sit with it, meaning just be in life and not necessarily take action on the new revelation or revealing or wisdom that's been exposed to me because of my allowance into feeling and just be with it. It could be a day, it could be an hour, it could be a week, it could be a month. And then the action will come to me. That doesn't mean that I don't deliberately think about what action do I want to take with this new identity that I'm forging into my being. Also, it's sometimes a process. So sometimes it's a process of heavy feeling and heavy expression or just intense expression or just new expression, novel, whatever it may be. And sometimes I have to deliberately pause that to, to you know, live to fight another day, so to say. Because otherwise we can get addicted to the cycle of just feeling and feeling and feeling or the cycle of expressing or exploring even. And sometimes we need reprieve and we need space. And so until sometimes I, I'll quote unquote force neutrality or sometimes the neutrality will just come. And before I take action on that, I'm engaging in creating space for myself and self-care. And self-care looks like exercise. It looks like laughing and having fun. It looks like being in my body, being in nature, you know, ice bath, sauna, whatever it may be, right? Um, yeah, and again, the intensity of those challenges will depend on the intensity of the experience that I'm having. If it's, if it's way, way too intense, I'm not going to go do additionally intense things that are going to burn me even more, right? So I'm, I'm gauging all that and I'm getting to know myself at a deeper level. Yeah, so can we talk about this concept of space real quick? <clears throat> because when we keep saying space and space and holding space and doing that, I think that I know what it means. I think a lot of people know what it means, but I, I'm listening. No, nah, most people don't. True. Never mind. Thanks for calling me out on my shit. <laughs> I guess because I talk about it so much, I'm like, everybody has to know. Yeah, you're also fucking hyper intelligent. And so uh, no, don't expect to swear I have like a good memory too, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't have a good memory. You have a fucking exceptional memory. <laughs> I'm now, now becoming like, people's Rolodex. I'm like, I can't remember what I ate for breakfast, but if you ask me about that conversation we had in April of 2019, <laughs> yeah. I will tell you yeah. exactly what it was. And Goodbye. I think it really boils down to how much I practice space and being in integration with yeah. it. But can you talk about like kind of what we yeah. mean when we say holding space, what the benefit of, what it looks like to start and then, you know, rip into that a little bit? For sure. Sure. So for me, holding space is really our ability as human beings to be there emotionally in a reliable way for other human beings without bringing or injecting our pain, our trauma, our unconscious projections, our biases into that relationship. Um, specific, now there's ca caveats to this, right? Uh, because that almost sounds a little superhuman. Um, and, and also impossible because we all carry unconscious biases. But what I mean by that is, for example, like someone comes to me a client, a client comes to me or a friend comes to me and they, they haven't, they, ha let me actually give you, give you a more personal example. So Christine comes to me and she says, Hey, there's something I want to talk to you about. When do you have some space? I'm cool. I've got some space now. Great. Let's talk. So we start talking, she starts expressing and, and, and she has, um, something with me that, that I've done or action that I've taken and the way that she's interpreted that and the way that she's feeling now in that moment, I can get hypercritical and hyper defensive. And that generally comes from a place of, well, I'm feeling threatened right now. I'm taking it personally. My ego's hurt. 
I'm actually not able in this moment to hold space for you. So the mature thing w- would be to say, hey, I'm becoming defensive and, and aggressive internally. I, I just need some time to equilibrate that and then we can come back to this. Or I can really just know that I don't need to take this person. I can really listen to this person and not inject my stuff into it and actually listen and hear her. And so there are communication tools like Imago Dialogue and NVC, nonviolent communication that can really support with that, that are super simple yet profoundly effective, right? But that's secondary to the thing of do your inner work. So the more you do your inner work, one does their inner work, the more I do my inner work, the more I'm aware of my own stuff, the more quote unquote space I create for myself. In other words, where I'm not overloading myself with stimuli like doing or serving or acting or filling up my calendar or whatever, just empty space, being in nature, feeling, thinking, doing whatever I want, watching TV if I want, whatever it is, right? The more I can hold space for other people because I'm, my nervous system is not so overwhelmed. So holding space isn't only this mental, emotional construct, it's also a physiological construct, meaning that can we be in a regulated place where we're not dysregulated and we're in an activated sympathetic nervous system response? Ways to do that is, again, working on your trauma, doing your inner work, creating space for yourself, nurturing yourself, practicing relating in ways that actually align with you as opposed to coming from old pa- behavioral patterns and reactivity that was forged and reinforced at incept- at the inception of trauma generally during our developmental formative years in other words when we were kids <laughs> you you big fucking words bro <laughs> you made, isn't a big word you made, you made the word you made the word like equilibrium or or basically calibrate sound like it came out of the oxford Dictionary. <laughs> You're killing. I really me. don't. I, I have a very limited vocabulary. Actually, I think my vocabulary sucks. I look at someone like I look at someone like what's his name, Russell Brand. He's the best. I go, yeah, but I don't understand twenty. I, I maybe understand twenty percent of what he's saying, and then when well, the funny. Like, language and context, I'm lost, bro. And it's like Mandarin to me. <laughs> I I love that. So, um, let me let me summarize. Um, without the big words. And so I love your definition of holding space. So holding space is our ability to be present emotionally with other human beings without projecting ourselves into it. But in order for that to come to fruition or to be real, we have to be able to hold space for ourselves, witness Mm. where we are and where we're feeling without projecting our beliefs, trauma wounds, paradigms, or insecurities into the moment and just being a witness to whatever it is that's going on. Beautifully said, brother. Being a neutral observer of our own selves is a very powerful practice. Yeah, and and the, the it's kind of loaded and leading, but the reason I'm asking is because, you know, like in my line of work, right, I coach my own students, I, I own some companies, but I think the most beneficial part of my work is when I get to go into other organizations that range in size from 10 to 100 to 1,000, and I get to see these dynamics at play. I get to see... Mm-hmm teams and leaderships and trauma and marketing and speed in the state of the world. And, and there's always this direct correlation between the most grounded, present and emotionally unattached, like very self-regulated. I, I think I forgot what word you used, but very, very aware of their emotions and experiencing them without projecting them out and the level of success that they have. Like some of the best leaders that I work with can have an employee come in the office and be like, Hey, is it is it okay if I share something? And they're like, yeah. And it's like, hey, when you did this, you were an asshole. And he's like, oh my God, I can totally hear you. Mm-hmm. And it creates this amazing form of communication, which creates depth. And I think mm-hmm. it's a, a, a hidden trap because we, we live in this world, in entrepreneurship at least, and, and I'll keep it through that lens where it's like, 
go faster, go more, do this, do that. Like it's this constant sympathetic, go, 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 fight, flight, 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 flight. Like saber tooth tiger coming to eat your fucking face off. And it's like, hey, hey, no, no, bro. No, I just have to send an email by tomorrow morning. I have five hours. Like, can can we, can we take a crack? Right. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm translating this for everybody listening because, you know, I've noticed in you know, 12 years of doing this, and I know with staff and, and a lot of people that we correlate with is that there's this massive compounding effect for all the successful entrepreneurs. I know that they didn't start creating more space for themselves. Once they were successful, they started mm-hmm. intentionally practicing space creation, self-care, mm-hmm. self-awareness, and self-love and a byproduct of that space created a massive uptick in results. And so I'm saying this because, you know, as we talk about space like what does that look like well for me i have a stillness practice where for at least 10 minutes a day like the first thing i do in the day whether i do it laying in bed with my eyes open whether i go out to the lake and i look at the lake in the snow um, sometimes i wake up before my son and i watch him sleep for 10 minutes just in pure stillness i cry a lot because i don't understand the gift that that is and why i get to witness that Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's beautiful it's just this intentional point of starting my day or being in my day with how am I feeling? Like what's coming up for me and noticing what's there so that I have an awareness of my inventory, but my inventory is not driving the decisions. Mm. And I just think it's something that's huge. It is, man. I have a question. I have a question of curiosity, right? I'm, we're talking about the pace of the world, we're talking about speed of the world. And you know, what I got from what you just said is slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And I'm just wondering in the, in the realm of business and activity and creation in the world, like when, when is, when is fast going to be fast enough? Like, we, you know, because we, we seem to just be speeding up, like, you know, the internet's getting far, it was meant to be getting faster. I don't see it. Verizon's fucked. Um, AT&T is just as bad. Um, like, no, but seriously, like, you know, we're meant to be getting faster, but um, and we want more, like shareholders are demanding more, you know, greater returns quicker. The quarterly profits are needing to be better than they were last year, irrespective of what's happening in the world. The demand on what we want and what we desire and our expectations. It reminds me of my father wanting to sell his sell his house a few years ago and saying, oh, we should get a couple of million dollars for it. I'm like, but the market doesn't say that. He says, yeah, but we should just get a couple of million dollars for it. I'm like, are you fucking serious right now? Like, what is it? The market's not, you look at what's sold in the neighborhood. It does not even close to that. So, you know, we have this, <laughs> this conception of what things should be. And we're so attached to that. Oh, when's fast it going to be fast enough? I, I don't know. I don't think you have an answer, but I'm just curious. Well, actually it's something I think about all the time because. Yeah. Well, I, you, you would because of the, 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 the space that you're in. A thousand percent. I feel like what I've noticed and what what my belief is like, this is just my unbiased opinion of like, what I notice is that the, the speed, the speed, the increase in speed, the unsettledness with the speed with it never being enough is a perpetual moving finish line based on the disconnection from what truly matters. And so it's a compensatory line that continues to move because just like any drug or any input or any stimulus, Once you get used to it, you have to increase the load, increase the drug, increase the stimulus to get the same result. And so for me, what it looks like is just a a perpetual society or paradigm that's that's spiraling out of control based on a lack of self-values or self-awareness or connection to self. Therefore, 
it's the only way to keep it going is to add more and to make it faster and to make it go and to get faster speeds and to make more money. And it's just a cycle that only breaks once you slam on the brakes. Like you have to brake check yourself. And it's beautiful because I was having this conversation with a client the other day who does very well. Like we're talking $7 million a year with a very small staff. And we were having a conversation of like, when did it become the norm that you're a failure as an entrepreneur if your business doesn't double month over month or year over year or, you know, and so we were talking about the cycles of entrepreneurship, how there's expansion cycles, how there are reinforcement cycles, how there's foundation cycles, how there's growth cycles, how there's profit cycles based on the goals that are there. And I think it, it perpetuates all the way through. And so you ask it, but I think about it all the time because it's like the same thing. It's like, hey, when you're in the dance, the only way to stop it is to just stop dancing and to really lean into it. Because, you know, for me, you know, when I deleted social media, when I deleted and walked away from that company, the biggest thing that I had to deal with was the morning, but also the come down or the depression yeah. from losing all the stimuli. Like I went yeah. from having a couple hundred thousand social media followers every day to nothing for three years. And it took me, I'd say probably six months to not even have the habit of mindlessly picking up my phone and sticking my thumb where there were social media apps before. And so that's what it is for me. And so now, obviously, you and I know, and both of us, I have a very intentional, like, being aware of my barometer, being aware of where I'm pulled, being aware of, like, what I'm giving into the world because of that question and that answer. And so that would be my thought on that. I love it, though. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I appreciate you, you sharing that, too. And, you know, I, I was thinking of what you said around, you know, I was thinking of, this is a funny example, I was thinking of the toaster. Yeah. Like, you know, we developed a, a, a toaster, a toast bread, and then we made it a little faster. And then, you know, two, two or one, one slice wasn't enough. We need to do two slices and two wasn't enough. We need to do four slices. And then, but, but, but we, we, you know, we have all these amenities that help our lives move smoother and faster. And this isn't a digging tech on technology. This is, this is more our, our perceptions and approaches is, is what I'm, I'm really commenting on here. Um, I love tech and I love how innovation serves us. Um, but then I even, I find myself, you know, in meetings, instead of creating space in my day, sometimes to, to sit down and eat and eat slow and I'm in between and I'm rushing and I'm, 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 I'm multitasking and I'm like, what the fuck for? Yeah. Like we convince ourselves so easily that this is, you know, in, in such a righteous way, oh, we have to be doing this. This is what has to happen. We have to make more impact and we have to do this and we have to have X amount of clients and X amount of revenue coming in per month. And it's like, I'm not saying don't have goals and objectives, man. I'm, if anyone that knows me, I'm super linear yes. and I'm, I'm very, I'm very goal driven and, and I'm very, I'm, I'm ambitious and I'm, and I'm, I'm hungry and I'm, I, I do the work and all the things and it's okay to rest. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is like you say this, we talk about it. We coach it, right? The cobbler's kids never have shoes. And so I'm like, I need people in my life to call me out of my own shit because they're like, Hey man, you know, practice what you preach. But I was flying home two days ago and I had a pretty big list of things I wanted to get done. I didn't have to get done. I did the whole first flight. I worked, I actually like knocked out four videos I was editing, scripted a podcast, did my emails. And I was like, boom, and I'm sitting there in my seat. And there's a TV screen in front of me. I have headphones in my hand. I put my laptop away and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I was like, I don't want to watch a movie. 
And so I literally put everything away and I just sat in my chair for two and a half hours. And I started observing and noticing. And then I was like, do you remember when we used to just fly on a plane and even the flip down movie screens didn't work? Like what were we left to? We were left to conversation. We were left to books and we were left to observation. Yeah. And it was challenging for about 10 minutes. And then just like every other part of my stillness practice, I was like in love with it. I started noticing things and, you know, being with it. But I, I think about how abnormal that is now. Like you, you nailed it, right? It's like, there's this constant demand from the world around us, whether we created it, whether we allowed it in or when the world is trying to get itself in to distraction and attention and the endless scrolls and social media and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like what's missing for the world is this trained behavior of, let's call it structure, let's call it solitude, let's call it connection to self, let's call it proactive choices where this isn't, I'm a failure because I didn't get X, Y, and Z done. It's like, I'm a winner because I chose to do one and I'm going to choose when I do the other two and three because it's my fucking pace. It's yes. my world. I just love what you just said. Observation, conversation, and books. Three things that we very much need in our lives that we probably, most of us, don't do enough of. Yep. Reading, observing, conversing. Meaningful conversation. Mm -hmm. and, and the context and the content that comes from that and when I say content, I'm not necessarily meaning content for, for social media or blogs or articles, although that, that definitely, I mean, that, that, that happens for me. I'm more so content in, into the reflection of, for our own lives. Yeah. And I, I, th I think about it often, like I, you know, for those listening, like Steph really is like one of my best friends, you know, Lindsay and I flew out to Austin to see Steph and Christine at the baby shower. And Steph, by the way, gave me the best hug I've ever had in my life. I cried about it. And I texted him like in tears. I was like, that was one of the most beautiful moments of my life. Like I've never felt so seen, supported, loved, appreciated. And I felt it on your body and soul. And I love you to pieces. So thank you for that hug. Um, thank you, bro. But when I left and I left this amazing experience, this amazing community of people that you have created in your life, who I happen to know a good amount of them, mm. I left that. And I had two weeks, three weeks of just pure joy and ease and surrender. And I'm like, you could have dropped like an atomic bomb on my front doorstep with a 10 second countdown. I would have laughed and figured out a way to get rid of it. Like there was nothing that was getting it, nothing. Mm. And then I started to notice that when I came back to my patterns, when I came back to life, I'm traveling, I'm in meetings, I'm in go, 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 go. Then I removed myself from the through line of connection and community, regardless of output, regardless of job, regardless of skill, but just that human connection. And I started to notice me get really awry and get ungrounded and get emotional and not from a place of witnessing, but a place of being strapped into the ride. And I didn't want to be on it anymore. And then of course I, I go, I have a dinner with a good friend of mine and it plugs me right back in. And I think it, I think it is one of those things that a lot of the stuff we're talking about from the projecting to the, you know, the gaslighting, the, the fear and anger and the rock throwing, I think a majority of it could be solved from in-person face-to-face community and connection. Man, I mean, for me, it's in my personal blueprint to be connected in community. You know, it's, it's something that, um, is life is very difficult for me when I don't have that. And I also thrive in solitude. I'm the type of person that really takes advantage of my environment. And so, and a simple example is, okay, 
maybe it's not a great example because we have the internet now, but I'll, I'll just, I'll just use it as an example. So if I'm flying and I'm on a plane, I just, I just pretend there is no internet and I either write because I, I, I create or I read or I fucking relax and watch a movie. Um, or I'll just literally what you just said, do nothing just lay there and sit and just stare at the wall. But I take advantage of that situation. Right. And so I like to apply that methodology to all areas of my life and including challenges, including intimate connections, including how do I grow my business, but really just apply, how can I just take advantage of the situation that I'm in and adapt and, and learn how to be more resilient and robust in those moments? Because I, I think what that does is, it, you know, get back full circle moment to holding space. It gives us a greater capacity to hold space because in those moments where we are more adaptable, more resilient and, and tough and tough is toughness for me is our ability to move through challenge and resiliency is our ability to recover from that challenge or difficulty, arduous time that we experience. So the more of those experiences that we have and we embrace, i.e. again, being present to the feelings and not ignoring them, compartmentalizing them or numbing them. Um, the more we're able to then hold space for others because we, we ourselves develop a more robust sense of self. And that's been very true for me. And I, and I, you know, it requires effort on my part to remind myself of that, to not be reactive, to not be defensive and shut down and, and be aggressive. If, so, if I feel or perceive someone is, I don't know, offending me and, and not to necessarily have to go to take it personally. It doesn't mean I can't be a stand for my truth and I can't be a stand for what's right. For me, it's just how I do that really matters. And so back to that conversation of holding space, can I just be present to what is arising and actually let it land before I react? Mm -hmm. Then I can respond. Yeah, I, I love that. I'm going to, and I know we're getting near the end, but I want to ask you a personal question for mm. me, because we're talking about this holding space. We're talking about witnessing. We are talking about an intentional ceremony, uh, mourning and releasing, allowing the space to be there and, and maybe sit until we fill it again. <clears throat> And a lot of this is like noticing our attachment to things like, is that my feeling? Is that something else? What's triggering me? Where am I responding? And so I'm in an interesting situation where, um, every belief that I've had about myself for 39 years of what I think is normal or what my goal was as a child, uh, expectations about how to live as a man basically had an atomic bomb dropped on it. And in that I've been sitting with and, and speaking with Lindsay, my wife about you know, her feelings and what she's doing. And then she asked me how I feel and I don't have an answer because my feelings were coming from this, this paradigm that I convinced myself was me or this box that I convinced myself I was supposed to live in or this way in which I was supposed to do it. And then, you know, I don't think I've ever said, I don't know more in my life than I have in the last couple of weeks. And it's been comfortable, but very uncomfortable. It's been massively relieving. And then at the same time, the dichotomy has been a little stressful of being comfortable, not knowing. And so I've, I'm not forcing it. I'm just sitting, but it's just really interesting to notice because I have this like unlimited fuel for my job and what I do and do my podcast and traveling and seeing my friends. And then I have these moments of solitude and I sit and I don't even know what to think, what to feel. There's nothing really happening. I'm asking myself questions I don't know the answer to. And I don't even know where to begin to get the clarity. It's just, it's, it's been really interesting to notice, like watching at this stage of my life, a paradigm fully collapse and collapse while I'm watching it collapse. While I'm also afraid of it collapsing because I like the definition of it because it was a lot more buck and comfortable. 
Um, maybe this is getting me to go over the hill. I don't know what, what this is, but it's just really, really interesting. And so when we talk about holding space, I, I'm going to ask you this because I know there's a lot of people. I've talked about space on the podcast before. I've talked about stillness practices. I've talked about the importance of really honing that relationship with yourself outside of the modalities that you spoke about, like breath work and cold therapy and movement. Do you have any other tips or tools or practices that you like to use to help maybe prompt that exploration of self? Like when you take somebody through a gestalt empty chair process or somatic trauma release and that space is created, do you have any ways that you help people intentionally fill it or, or start to discover it or create the path so they can iterate into what that truth might be? Well, everything you've mentioned most definitely. And, and one of the, one of the tools that is actually quite helpful is play, right? And so yeah, into integrating those big life lessons or those big feelings and those big emotions that we experience. Sometimes we just need to play because we're tapping into aspects of our psyche that are quite old, or should I say quite young, you know, young aspects of self, childlike aspects of self. And so part of the realm of being, uh, you know, part of the realm of, um, children is is play enjoying creativity and curiosity and so if we can stimulate that within ourselves and just play like literally just play like i had a client some time ago and he had a very rough upbringing um with his father particularly and there, was a, there was a lot of rigidity and strictness and violence and all those things and, and i said to him you know he's a very successful businessman had a few hundred people in his employees international business you know multi-millionaire etc like successful meaning by external standards right and he just lacked play in his life. I said, stop. He lives in the Middle East. I said, I need you to go to, uh, he was in Dubai. I need you to go to the theme park there, Atlantis, and I need you to have fun for the whole day. And he did that. And he said it took him right back to childhood when he'd be there with his mum, and he was just allowed to play, right? And, and that for him was really special and deeply, deeply healing and nourishing because that gave him an opportunity just to connect to that part of his child, of his inner child that was just dormant for so long i am um, that's the answer because i realized just even in that moment that um i isolate my play because i'm afraid of being seen by those that are close to me and then that's the feedback to play with my kids to play with my wife that yeah will help that do it and so that's <clears throat> that landed uh for the the onion that I'm cutting on my desk, uh, but I openly cry about it. That's, that's great. Um, that's what it is. And fuck it. Who can't use more play in their life? Right? Like yeah. joy, laughing. With you. I'm ready to have a gel blaster tournament and start popping people off just for fun. Yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> oh sir. my God. I, um, you know, what's crazy is that that answer I could use to sum up this entire podcast from stone yeah. throwing to uh, fear, division, hypocrisy, being afraid to feel my feelings, being disconnected from my body, not knowing how to hold space. What does it look like to hold space for others? And I was like, we really, really summarized the answer to the last question. I think a positive solution for every one of those is to go intentionally play. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll never forget when you assigned that to me the first time you told me to go down to the beach and roll around in the sand like a child to alarm people enough that they were willing to call somewhere to admit me so free and so playful that it was challenging to most people's paradigms. And that, yeah. was, that was a beautiful thing. Short shorts on a beach and basically doing my own Fabio and it works. <laughs> doing your own Fabio. I love uh, it. Right now it's the dad bod bald Fabio, but you know, not, not myself, 
<laughs> oh, that's so good. So good. So listen, um, I want to be respectful of Steph's time. One of these days, we'll do like a 24-hour, you know, marathon. I'll keep him up all night. That's, that's he's going to be trained once Athena is born. And I yes. for these text messages because I was like, oh, I've been, I've been through this. I can support my brothers. Like, I know what's coming. Um, but uh, one of the things that I love about Steph and his amazing wife, Christine, who will be on the show post-baby, we'll work on timing because we've been playing Chase for a while, is you guys are basically creating a world of people that I want to be friends with, <laughs> a world of people that I want to learn from and taking your skills, Christine's skills, and then Preston and Alexis's skills and combine them into the world. You are creating like an army of powerhouse of like consciousness and, and amazing people that are making the difference. And you didn't really ask about this, but I want everybody to know about this because I think it's one of the most incredible things. And I just had a woman leave one of my courses and join your program and I couldn't be more happier. She's moving from That's Maui awesome. to Denver and she's like, what do I do? I'm like, go, go with them. Like, go, they're your people. I love it. And um, can you just give everybody like a quick high level down? Like what, yeah. what you guys are up to? For sure, we, we're 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 doing our be our very best, and we've combined forces, you know, with over fifty something years of experience between us, to really revolutionise the coaching industry. You know, the the quote unquote life coaching industry. Not that we're a life coaching certification, but more holistic coaching. You know, like a, a well rounded, robust, trauma informed coach that the that is an advocate for their own inner work as their you know, helping others heal, right? And so we developed a coach. We developed a coaching institute. It's called Elementum Coaching Institute, elementumcoachinginstitute.com. We um, commence our second cohort uh, March the 10th. We we kick off, so not that far away. We're still, intake is still open. We've got amazing students already on board. It's a nine-month program. Uh, next year is going to change a little bit. It's going to be even more robust, but uh, this time it's it's nine months and super detailed. And we just go deep. We just go deep with people and they still, everyone still gets a lot of us, a lot of Christine, myself, Preston and Alexi. Um, again, as the years go on, that will change, but we've created an amazing curriculum. Um, it's, it's deep work. Like you've got to do your work to be part of this and it's worth it if you're in this space. Yeah. So as somebody who knows all of them personally and professionally, and I know people that have been through personally and professionally. Um, if I had any interest, I would go, but I don't, cause I just call Steph and he tells me what to do. And it's this like beautiful <laughs> thing. I've like earned my way around the back door entrance. That sounds horrible. Said that on purpose though. Um, but I would really, really recommend it. I'm going to spell this out because I just want to make sure. So it's Elementum, right? L E L E M E N T U M. Yeah. Elementum coaching Institute.com. Go check it out. Go do whatever. Uh, the other best place that I would highly recommend Steph. Uh, since Steph is the king of Instagram stories that will challenge, support, or encourage your current paradigm, is his Instagram. It's uh, Stefano Stefandos. You can figure out how to spell it, but I guarantee he's the only one because I look all the time. Check him out on Instagram as well. And Steph, before we go, um, I like to ask this. I like to pretend that everybody listening forgot the entire show and you can leave them with one message, one takeaway, one carry through to take into their life. And what would be your closing words from today's knowledge bombs and wisdom drops? Today it's play, play, play more. You got to play, play, do whatever you want. Go streak down Austin, go to the beach, go get some gel blasters. If you don't know what gel blasters are, oh, just go do your check that out. And Colin, I hope you're listening to this. You're welcome for your plugs. <laughs> and in between. So everyone listening, thank you. Thank you for being on another episode of the mind of George show. If you want Stefanos back, which I think everybody should shoot him a DM on Instagram. And then he'll send all those screenshots to his assistant and then she'll give us a big time block and let us, you know, play like we want to play. 
on a podcast. And so remember, remember that listening to this is only half the battle. Implementing it is the rest. Go pick something to play with and go create some intentional space to get grounded, to get connected and utilize it and permeate it through every ounce of your life and every ounce of your business. So remember that relationships will always beat algorithms. And like I always say, the one with yourself is the most important. It's like Stephanos was reading my mind. So I will either see you in the next episode or I will, you will hear me in your ear bowls. But either way, it's time to cue the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.